All right, so company, you guys can go ahead and find your way back to your seats. Did anybody actually have an answer to, like, did you guys talk about your favorite thing about county fairs? Maybe? Oh, maybe we missed that. Yeah, that was the odd, like, introduce yourself and say that. And the first time I saw the girl who had become my wife, and, like, I remember doing, like, the double take was at the county fair. Wow, how providential. Does ever like, a better thing out of the county fair than a wife? Yeah, that's right. You're not married, so that's awesome. I win. <laughs> These are freshmen. <laughs> no. Uh, okay, you guys, I am pumped for tonight. Like Stephen said, we are in our last night of going through the Follow Me series. And tonight we are talking about, honestly, one of my favorite topics to talk about with college students, essentially the question like, how do I discern God's will for my life? Right, that huge question, we all feel like we need to figure out, how do I discern God's will for my life and how do I make decisions in life? Those are the kind of questions that can make my head spin sometimes. If I were you guys, this would be the kind of night that I'd be like writing down ferocious notes not because I think anything we're going to say is that wild and out there, but yeah, this stuff is just very practical, tangible um, things to know about in your life. So I'm going to be leading you through this. Cody is going to be joining me tonight walking through this. If you have never met Cody, he's one of our lead pastors here and one of our elders. So Salt Company is the college ministry of Candeo Church. Um, we're a part of this church, and Cody's one of the pastors here. So maybe if you've been here on a Sunday morning, you've heard him preach. Um, but yeah, Cody, you have... What, four kiddos, even though he looks on a day over 20. Cody was the first person who hired me into Salt Company and in Ames. I, I, had to, I, I asked you three times to consider joining my staff. I offered you three jobs. You turned me down twice. But I can be persistent. Cody's a big piece of my decision-making so story in life. Yeah. Uh, yeah I, it's wild. Every time I come into this, this environment, which thank you so much, you guys, for being here tonight, let me jump in and spend some time with you. Um, I do have four kids, and it, it's wild because I'm reminded of that every time I'm in this room of like how fast life kind of goes, where you just like blink your eyes, and the next thing you know, you're driving a minivan, you got a mortgage, and you've got four kids, and you're wearing like your son's like football team t shirt. You know, it's like that's like life now, you know. So it's why I got an 11 year old. That's pretty crazy. That is pretty crazy. I got a man in my household. I would not call Jacoby a man. <laughs> not quite. Oh, that might be a stretch. All right, yes. Well, tonight we're going to be talking about decisions and God's will for your life. So this is something that, um, yeah, I know that you guys are currently in a season of life where you are inundated with a number of decisions, like on the daily, right? From small decisions, like this morning, you had to pick out your outfit. You had to choose what cereal you want to eat. Like sometimes even those little things can stress me out when it comes to decisions. Those are just the little ones, but they're coming at you all the time. Of course, you're thinking of the big ones. Who hated when they went home over Christmas break and their aunt is like, what are you doing with your life? And you're like, don't ask me that question. It gives me anxiety. Like those kind of questions get under your skin, right? As a college student, maybe you're here tonight and you haven't picked out a major yet. That was me my freshman year. I was an undecided major my whole first year of college. 
Maybe you've picked a major, but you're not sure what you want to do with it. Maybe you are trying to think through, who should I go on a date with? Who should I marry? How do I know what God is going to do for my life? Maybe you're nearing the end of college and you're thinking, what do I do after this? Where am I supposed to move? You guys have the maybe privilege or curse of being in a network where we are constantly giving you places you could move when you graduate. So maybe next year, Cincinnati's there. We've kind of just been unveiling the past couple weeks. There's three more places. If you're a junior in this room and you're graduating the next year, the next church plants are Syracuse and Michigan and Illinois State. So there's three more options for you. So that might... I don't know if this is like helping ease the tension more. No, we're building the tension now. Yes. This is all part of like getting you ready to listen, right? Like you... Yes, so this might be already stressing you guys out tonight, and that is why we want to talk about it. Um, Yeah, for me, when I was in college, the challenge with making decisions and kind of continually in my life has been I feel crippled sometimes, that there's so many things I could do that I just get this analysis paralysis, and I'm like, I don't know, I just won't do anything, so I put off decisions sometimes. So we want to help you guys work through that tonight. Yeah, and I, I just want to say this. That right now, if your main goal in life, like you're asking the question of like, how do I like listen to God and honor Him in every decision? Like, if you're sitting in the room and that's your like greatest desire right now, you are awesome. I just want to see that. Like, if you're asking the question of like, what is God's will for my life? Because I, I want to live a life that is pleasing and honorable to Him. That is a great thing, and I'm so so grateful for your heart. I think sadly. When we come like, and, and enter into to that discussion and approach that question, um, I think sadly many of us enter into it with a lot of fear. Uh, how do you know this is like a hip term anymore? Like FOMO? Like if that's still a thing? But I feel like, like you're still in like the generation of like FOMO where like, like your greatest fear is like the fear of missing out. And sadly, I think sometimes like in this whole desire of trying to figure out like what God wants to do with your life, you're so busy looking at everybody else's life and comparing yourself to everybody else's life that you're so busy digging into that, you haven't even lived your own. And so I think often when you enter into this, this question, like it's driven by a lot of fear, that fear of missing out and, and not living up or not matching up or, or fitting in. I think also sadly, we, we come to this question of what is God's will for my life also in another fearful spot, and I, I think it's, it's a fear that I have, that, that you have just a wrong view of God. That you see God as this deceptive God, or as kind of a slippery God, or, or he's like this critical micromanager, always over your shoulder, like, eh, I mean, that's the decision you want to make. And I think you live under the fear of that God. That I'm telling you that that's not the God who is. That's not the God who is. So over the course of our just time with you here, what we want to do is give you, um, number one, just I think a level of freedom. Like the ability to just breathe a bit when it comes to the will of God. That you go, oh, actually I, I do know it in a lot of ways. Two, then give you some practical handles of how to walk within the will of God and even like what that looked like in our lives and hopefully then to walk out of here able to breathe, able to smile, and able to have particularly just a right view of God who has been abundantly clear for us. You ready? Yeah, right, let's go. Let's jump in. All right, so here's the first thing I want to do. I want to lay just a theological framework for us then, okay? 
So when we're talking about the will of God, you're gonna wanna write these two things down. When we're talking about the will of God, we need to decipher between, are we talking about the secret will of God or the revealed will of God? Let me just read a quick passage of scripture. This is Deuteronomy 29, 29. It says this, the hidden things belong to the Lord our God, but the revealed things belong to us and our children forever so that we may follow all the words of this law. Keep in mind, when you're reading the book of De Deuteronomy, what's going on there is that's like the second generation of God's people who have been led out of Egypt. Deuteronomy literally means second law. It was all of their parents that were around when Moses came off Mount Sinai and delivered the Ten Commandments originally and all that. God wandered them all through the wilderness. That generation died off, but the second group is not hearing it. And this is at like the tail end of them walking through the law and God giving it to these people, to this group, a second time. And he says this, that the hidden things belong to the Lord our God, but the revealed things belong to us and our children forever so that we may follow all the words of the law. When we talk about the will of God, one of the first things we must understand is that there are limitations on our end. There are just things about God and who he is and his will for the world and for us that we will never understand. Honestly, we could never comprehend. So we're talking about the will of God. Just come into it humbly and submit to the fact that you cannot know everything, okay? Secret will of God, the revealed will of God. So that's kind of like one way to slice the will of God. Let me slice it another way and give you kind of three different categories now. So when we talk about the will of God, we can talk about God's will of decree, God's will of direction, or God's will of design. God's will of decree is essentially this, that everything God wills to happen will happen. And everything that does happen, happens because God wills it. Okay, if that messed you up, let me say that one more time. Everything God wills to happen will happen, and nothing that does happen happens outside of the will of God. Here's what I mean. This is Matthew 20, uh, 10, 28, and 29, when Jesus says, aren't two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them falls to the ground apart from my Father's hand. And you're worth far more than sparrows, is what Jesus said. If God even cares about the passing of a sparrow, simplest bird of all creation, he cares tremendously for you. And that bird lives under the, the will of decree, so do we. And one of the things that defines this generation so much is anxiety. A good definition I heard once of anxiety is anxiety is this, it's living out tomorrow's worries today. And I think one of the things that we all need to learn is to trust God with tomorrow and actually just live today. It's a Nick Saban quote, if you know who that is, the most famous college football coach, Alabama, that kind of rings about, right? One of my favorite quotes that he says is he said, just, just be where your feet are. That's like his number one thing that he coaches into his players. Just be where your feet are. I think God's will of decree frees us up for that. God's will of direction then is like what he wants for my life. 
his will of direction is over who I marry and where I live and what I do and what goes on in my life. Now, keep in mind, again, secret will versus revealed will. There's certain aspects of that you may know. There's a good portion of that as far as God's direction for your life you, you don't know. And God's not waiting for you to figure it out exactly before you make any decisions. I'm also just saying when I was talking before about God's will of decree that he is sovereign over all things. He's also sovereign over your life. And here's the guarantee, you can't screw it up. You can't screw it up so much that you get outside of God's sovereign plan. Does that make sense? So God is sovereign over all things. So again, God's will of decree, God's will of direction. Here's the third one, and probably the most important that I want you to grab onto, is God's will of desire. What God desires for your life, which when we get to God's will of desire, I think is for us the one that is the most clear and the one that we should focus our energies on. If you would, can you join me in Matthew 6? We're just gonna look at a few verses. I'm actually gonna have Laura read it. But if we could give you like one scriptural anchor tonight to like hold on to for a bit, like this would really be the, the passage I want you to kind of sink your teeth in. So Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body, what you will wear. Isn't life more than food and the body more than clothing? Consider the birds of the sky. They don't sow or reap or gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Aren't you worth more than they? Can any of you add one moment to his lifespan by worrying? And why do you worry about your clothes? Observe how the wildflowers of the field grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and thrown into the furnace tomorrow, won't he do much more for you, you of little faith? So don't worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. If I could have you just circle a verse there because I don't want you to miss it. Circle verse like 33, maybe just the number just to to hold on to. You see what he's saying there? There's so much in life that can consume us and so many things that you start thinking about of like, oh, I want to get this right and this right and this right. What does he tell you? What does Jesus tell you? to focus your energies on. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to shift your attention away from the question of like God's will for my life and the things that you probably aren't gonna get a lot of like tremendous clarity on. This major, that major, what does God want me to do? This city or that city? And we'll talk more about those aspects, but I think we spend so much of our energy focused on those things 
and very little energy actually looking at like what God has actually revealed as far as his will for our lives. And I think we need to like flip our energies around and go, if I spent as much time worrying about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness more than like how much time I spend thinking about my future and who I'm going to marry and all that, wow, that would probably actually change the person that I am. Does that make sense? That's what we're talking about when we get to God's will of desire. And I want to I want to major in the main and plain things of Scripture and not focus on the things that God may not have revealed to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so coming off of that, there's a handful of ways we can tend to overcomplicate. Now that you've kind of simplified what is God's will, we can tend to overcomplicate it. One of those reasons is that there's a ton of options in this world. That's a blessing, but can also be kind of crippling, like I said before. Cheesecake factory. Have you guys ever ordered food at a restaurant and then been worried that you're going to wish you got the food that the person across from you did? That menu is like a book. I love, there's a restaurant in Waterloo called Verve. There's like four things on the menu. If you've never been, it's great. I love that I can get something and be like, I can like conquer the menu. It feels great. So sometimes having fewer options is helpful. You guys have a ton of options these days, and there can be buyer's remorse that comes from that. We also tend to want perfect fulfillment, right? So it's very typical to want the dream job, like the day you graduate from college. That might not happen. You might not ever get your dream job, or you might get it 10 years later, but we're, we're not... We're not built to attain perfect fulfillment through things in this world. We also can tend to want to avoid discomfort. Um, Man, risking things for the name of God is a worthwhile thing to do. We are not called as believers to live just comfortable, easy lives and, and make this cushy existence for us on this side of eternity. It's right for us to get out of our comfort zone for right things, for the glory of God and for our own sanctification, right? So we can also tend to have a wrong understanding of God's will for our life. Um, We can over-spiritualize that idea of God's will and we stress about the wrong things. Um, If we have like a question on where should I move, we're thinking, should I I stay in Cedar Falls or go to Cincinnati? Actually, God's more concerned about who you are than what you do or where you go. He's more, more concerned about the kind of person you are becoming than where physically you are being that person. Right, so one of my favorite illustrations when it comes to decision-making in the will of God is if you picture a playground out in the backyard and God tells you, okay, this playground, I've put a fence around it. I don't want you to go outside the fence. I want you to stay in the realm of this playground. But within this fence, you can do whatever you want. There's a swing set over here. There's a sandbox. Those two are both awesome things. Have a ton of fun. Go play in the playground. And you kind of turn around and you're like, but God, okay, I understand. But like, would you prefer that I play on the swing set or the sandbox? Like, which would you prefer? And he's like, oh, no, no, really. Like, you can do either. Just stay, just stay in the fence. And you're like, but like, is there a right or wrong? Like, would you kind of rather I do this thing? Like, blink once if you'd rather I do the sandbox. And he's like, no, 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 I'm telling you, you can do either one. Like, they're both great. Do one of those. That's honestly how I think a lot of choices in life actually are, is we have, we have constraints by which God wants us to live. But within that, man, there's a lot of freedom. So if you were to look up in the Bible, like the term, the will of God, there's a couple different passages that say pretty explicitly what the will of God for your life is. One example is 1 Thessalonians 4.3. 
It says, for this is God's will. For this is God's will. It's coming, drum roll, your sanctification. That's God's will for your life. I know that with certainty, God's will for your life is your sanctification. Another passage says, this is the will of God, or this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Again, drum roll. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in everything. Those are pretty simple things that we're saying. This is actually God's will for your life. So it matters more who you are than what you do. What we're trying to just lay here, just in this first half of what we're trying to cover, it's just a simple foundation of belief, and I want you to have this confidence, that everything that God wants you to know about himself and his will, he's revealed to you. Everything that you need to know to live for God and to know him fully, he has revealed that to you. He's not hiding it from you. Again, this, when it comes to God's will for our lives, I love Kevin DeYoung talks about this. It's, like, it's not like there's some maze out there that you're navigating and you may by chance take the wrong turn and now find yourself walking in opposition to God, but you didn't know it. Like that's, God is not just this cosmic bullseye that you're trying to hit and he's trying to move. When it comes to these things, you look for the main and plain things and he has made them abundantly clear. Cincinnati or Cedar Falls, if you're gonna go and share the gospel, if you're going to pursue righteousness wholeheartedly, and if you're going to be about loving people and building the church, <laughs> sandbox or swing. Cedar Falls or Cincinnati. I think he's given us freedom, and I don't want to ever curse God for giving us options. And I think sometimes we've looked at God when he gives us those options and accused him of being mean. <laughs> it's like, Dude, I've been clear on what I care about, you know. The location, go for it. Does that make sense? So we understand though, like, right, there are these things like, like continue to keep the main and plain things before you. First Thessalonians 4.3 is great. This is God's will for your life, your sanctification, that you would be growing in holiness, right? Well, let's get real practical now. Let's talk about like, okay, so how do we though go about making decisions that are maybe in the more uh, gray areas, right? Uh, let, let's go to that. All right, so here's, here's like four questions Laura and I wanna give to you that we would use when we're making uh, a major life decision. We'll probably use some examples. Is, uh, is Kenzie gonna get brought up in this? Sure, she uh, can. I, I would love to know how you made that decision if you want. All right, so. All right, so, so here's, here's the first question I want to throw at you, right? First question that you should always ask is, this is pretty simple, is it right or wrong? Is it right or wrong? Right, when, when you think about like a, like a job, you think about a spouse, you go, it's both right, right or wrong. Well, it could be. I mean, like, if you know that the company that you're interviewing for has just a, a culture of dishonesty and embezzlement or whatever, it's like, okay, like obviously I don't wanna get into that work environment, right? that would be wrong. Um, we also too should know, right, if, if you're looking to marry somebody but you are a Christ follower and they are not, the Bible would say, ah, that's, don't do that. Don't be unequally yoked, right? Because we know this for sure, right? That the will of God is this, that we would obey every word that proceeds from his mouth and so, I think sometimes one of the ways that we struggle in knowing God's will is because we honestly don't know God's word. 
Let me just read this for you. This is Psalm 1, verses 1 through 4. I think this highlights this well, right? Like, you're asking the question, like, this is right or wrong. We want to live according to God's word and what he says. Psalm 1 says this, How happy is the one who does not walk in the advice of the wicked, or stand in the pathway of sinners, or sit in the company of mockers. But instead, his delight is in the Lord's instruction, and he meditates on it day and night. He is like a tree planted beside flowing streams that bears its fruit in season, whose leaf does not wither, whatever he does prospers. So if you want to walk in the will of God, start first by asking the question, is it right or wrong? And make sure that you're walking according to what you know to be true. One of the most powerful moments in my life, I mean, this may be like the second most powerful day in my life outside of the day that I gave my life to Christ. I was sitting with a friend of mine and I was just rattling off like this tirade of like all the emotions in me that's come through. I don't know if you guys know me enough to know this. If you come on Sunday mornings, it doesn't take long to figure this out. I'm a very emotional person. Like tears are pretty frequent for me. Uh, the emotions are all over the place. I try to hold that in. A lot of it is because of this day and this moment. But I remember I was just, I was letting all my emotions out and I had this friend I was a freshman in college, he was my discipler, and he just looked at me, and he said this, I'll never forget it. He said, Cody, if you could start making decisions based on what you know, rather than how you feel, God may actually be able to use you. I'm curious how many people in the room needed to hear that tonight. Because I think if we get into the word, and I knew at that moment when he said that, like, I, I do know better. This is just a matter of me now being self-controlled enough to hear God's word and let it direct my actions. What would you add? Yeah, essentially being able to know God's word and do what it says assumes that you're already in God's word and kind of immersing yourself in that. So one wrong way we can use the Bible is flip it open and like point to a word. And if it says go, we go. But yeah, the the Bible is is a tool for ongoing transformation, not just an answer key in our life. So second question I would ask then after, is it right or wrong, is does it align with my passion and giftings? Does it align with my passions and my gifting? So strive towards self-awareness. Like know yourself enough to know, am I accurately understanding who I am and what I do well? Do I enjoy this? Is this something I'm gifted in? Is this something that excites me? If you were to say, Laura, if, if Cody were to ask me tomorrow, do you want to be like the high school staff person? I'd say, no, high schoolers scare me and I wouldn't know what to do. And I love college students. So like I know myself enough. No whatever take that job then. Okay, well, I, high schoolers scare me. I, I know that's maybe a poor example, but, but yeah, just the question, like, does this make sense with my life? If you hate children, don't go into L. Ed. If like, there are certain things that it just is like, does this make sense? Do I enjoy this? Um, consider your interests, your hobbies, things like that. When it comes to a job, now you might be sitting here thinking, I don't know what my giftings are. I'm not really sure what I'm good at yet. And that's okay. The best way to discover that is to do things, like get involved, start serving at your church. We can sometimes, I think, get so preoccupied with like, what's my spiritual gift? How does God want me to serve his church? 
And honestly, there's no better way to know that than just to start serving. And you might, after six months of doing something, be like, yeah, I'm not good at that. Maybe I should reroute. But you're not going to know until you do it. So just do things. Take your college years to say yes to as many things as possible to, to be able to discern some of your giftings and callings. Um, Piggybacking off that then, kind of the next question I would ask that follows with that one is, would the people around me affirm my passions and desires and callings, right? So is this something that not only I enjoy, but other people around me would say, yeah, I actually agree. You're, you are good at that. Because right. I think beyond just you asking the question, does this align with my passions and giftings? Is it right or wrong? It's, it's a good thing to pull in the counsel of other mm -hmm. people in that. Guys, we can have blind spots, but I think we need to be humble to recognize that sometimes we are the worst at kind of even evaluating and thinking clear thoughts about ourselves, our own giftings, and things like that. And so inviting other people into that process is super helpful. And so I would say, yeah, inviting wise counsel for the purpose of just having them affirm kind of number two, does it align with my giftings and passions? But also inviting in wise counsel because it's, it's good to have people, and, and I wouldn't say this in particular, Make this a prerequisite. Don't just run to people who are gonna affirm you and what you already think. That is such a pitfall, particularly of your generation. Always running to people that are only gonna tell you what you wanna hear. Find people that you know fear God more than anything else and are just gonna tell you what's true. Whether it affirms you or not, like whether it aligns with what you want or not. Find people that are courageous enough to speak what's true. As I remember one of the decisions in my college years that got shifted in a beautiful way uh, was I was trying to cont contemplate if I should go uh, overseas for the summer. And for some reason, I think I was like copying this from somebody else and I'd heard somebody else say this. I'm like, oh, that's a super like spiritual reason. You know, I, I get that. Uh, but I decided I don't think I should go overseas until every member of my family has come to know Christ. I mean, it just seems weird, right, to get on a plane, go overseas, share the gospel if my family doesn't know Jesus. And I remember I just invited a friend into that conversation. He said, do you think that's like an unnecessary barrier at all? I mean, number one, your family will be there when you get back. You can continue to share the gospel with them after. And possibly could God use this experience of you getting on a plane and going a great distance to actually move them closer to God? I was like, that's great advice, great wisdom. So at that point I got on a plane and went, and it did, it worked in a lot of wonderful ways to move my family closer to God. And I continued now in sharing the gospel with my family. And so I think that was great wisdom and I, I needed that wise counsel at that key moment. Some practical advice, I think, in this category when it comes to getting wise counsel. Um, sometimes we can tend to just go around to a bunch of different people and almost exhaust, like I ask everybody their opinion. That's not actually super helpful. It's probably more helpful. When I've done this in the past, I've thought through strategically, like who are maybe five people that are godly decision makers themselves? Also thinking generationally too. Don't just maybe ask your peers. If you have a big decision to make, don't just ask your peers, classmates, roommates, things like that. Ask somebody older than you, a parent, if they're somebody that's godly counsel in your life, a staff member, things like that. You can go and get advice from um, people that you think would be helpful in this. So the fourth question then we would ask, is this something I've prayed about? 
Is this something I've sought the Lord in prayer? Now, here's a couple things I would say, don't pray like this, that we can sometimes tend to do. Don't pray by saying, God, would you just tell me what to do? Would you just show me what you want me to do? That's not gonna be God's typical tendency when it comes to him revealing things to us, right? That's not, that's not how God tends to work. It's not through signs. So we shouldn't expect that of God. We shouldn't also seek like an answer in the clouds. Like, God, would you just spell out what I should do for a job or, or have like, show me a sign. Sometimes we can ask God for that, right? That's not helpful. Um, because then we'll start looking for it in everything. Um, it's, it's not also the greatest thing to seek clarity or peace. Jesus did not have peace in the garden of Gethsemane before he went to the cross, right? That we, we, there's really not a, there's not a scriptural, there's not scriptural support for seeking peace in decision-making necessarily. Sometimes the things that you're called to do are really hard. And so peace isn't necessarily the goal thing to be seeking. What you should be praying for is that God would reveal your motives kill your sin and align your heart to his value system, right? So Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. So prayer, again, kind of like being in the word is, is presupposing that you're already relying on God for these things, that he is transforming your heart over time to be seeking the things he wants you to seek and, and kind of killing some of your selfish motivations potentially. Yeah, I just, I'll just echo something real quick that you said. Some key words in there. Don't pray for affirmation. Pray for alignment. Right? God, would you align my heart with yours. God, take anything in me that, that's selfish or wrong and pull it out. And God, would you bring me more into just the flow of where you're headed? I know one of the things for me was in the consideration of when my family was thinking through, are we going to move from Ames and move here to Cedar Falls to be a part of this church? And we were saying goodbye to some of the best friends we'd ever had in life and all the work that God was doing in ministry that we were giving ourselves to. And one of the things we just had to, to, to spend time praying and then we are like, regardless of what decision we make here, I think it's been a good process, was just like letting go of like comforts and things like, man, I just don't want to have to say goodbye to friends that would hurt so much. Like, like, like letting those things go and just going, God, align my heart to your mission, to your work, your, your cause for my life. And, uh, and God just did a cool work in that time. I, I, the way that I refer to it is like, it's like when a, when a ship kind of gets loosened in its moorings, they call it, you know, when it gets like loosened from the dock and it just gets a little bit more space. Like, I just want to go on hold too tightly to things like comfort and safety, things like that. They're not bad, but can become awful gods. And that was just a refining work that God did in me in that time. And so that's just the purpose of prayer in these things. And so we just wanted to put these few questions before you, right? Is it right or wrong? Does it align with my passions and giftings? What would others say? Have I prayed about it? Because at that point then, it's real simple. I didn't want to free you up. Then just make a decision and do something. And don't be so afraid. Don't be like so afraid that you might make a decision that two years from now you've got a detour on that you don't make any decision. Guys, I believe this with all my heart that, that God would prefer that you be in motion because it's easier for him to redirect somebody that's in motion 
than somebody that is just simply there stuck awaiting absolute 100% clarity. I don't think you'll ever get that. And so make a decision, roll, and let God continue to redirect as you move along. And don't be so afraid that you might have to detour, might have to tweak at some point and move. I think God's will is working in all of that. And so feel that freedom in that and know that God is sovereign overall. Would you add anything else yet? Man, yeah, I just, I would just encourage you guys, take risks in your life. <laughs> that's, that's something that we as Christians are able to do, right? God has said he'll be with us. So when you were referring earlier to, you want to hear about Kenzie, recently took in a foster child and it has scared the heck out of me. That that kind of whole, make a decision and stick with it. After the after a couple of days after I got her, I kind of thought, was this the right thing to do? Was this? Yeah. She's screaming in your face. Yeah, I, I, I kept second guessing, is this the right thing to do? And I, I've thought back often to the words of a friend. I was talking with a friend a couple months ago about if I should do foster, is this wise, is this unwise? And he was like, well, conventional wisdom might say like there might be some things that maybe are gonna be difficult or unwise about this. But we're Christians and Christians do hard things that are right. So, and I was like, oh, that's good. So that's kind of been something I've gotten back to is I don't want to do stupid things just because they're hard, but man, some right things are really hard. And so guys, just do things like take some leaps of faith, take risks in your life and do it for the namesake of the great God we serve. Yeah, yeah. So we would love to just uh, close our time here in prayer and then we'll enter back into worship. Uh, Lord God, thank you so much for Drake's encouragement last week for us to have a big vision uh, for life, Lord. We do, we, we want to be ambitious people, but not ambition, ambitious for ambitious, like ambition's sake, or for our own end goals, but for you. Because you're worthy of all of our lives and all of our decisions. And God, I pray that tonight you would of choices, and would we major in the main and plain things of Scripture more than trying to freak out over the stuff that I think you looked at and just said, sandbox or swing, elementary ed or business. I don't care which of those two things, as long as you are going to be a person who seeks me, seeks my rule in your life and in the lives of other people. You're going to be about that? and 
disciples of all 